thanks to Squarespace for supporting today's show. With the help of Squarespace, tackling your next move might not be as difficult as it seems. For example, my good friend Jason Street just got into the business of being a sports agent, and in order to get the word out, he created a website with Squarespace. So whether you, like Jason, are hoping to start a new business or change careers, or maybe just launch a new creative project, Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform from which to make your next big idea known to the world. And with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating your website is a simple, intuitive process. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code BINGE, that's B-I-N-G-E, to get 10% off your first purchase, plus a free domain. Welcome back to Entertainment Weekly's Binge of Friday Night Lights. We have made it. We, I was about to say we we're about to cross the finish line, but I need to come up with a football metaphor. We are almost in the end zone. We are in the red zone. How's that? This is working. I like it. I'm going with it. We are at the final hour of the show, one of the greatest series finales of all time, in my opinion. I am slamming Sammy Highfill. And I am preparing to catch that 63-yard Hail Mary that <laughs> Sam just threw in my direction. I'm Darren Franich. We're screwed. We're screwed. I know. We are, we are definitely screwed if I'm the one trying to catch it. Uh, I can't be anyone else this week, Sam, because all I am is just a boy in tears from rewatching the Friday Night Lights series finale. As you said, one of the greatest cappers to any television show ever. Uh, this whole episode is going to be just a full dive deep into the one-hour finale. Over an hour, actually. This is sort of, like, relatively new when this show aired. This is, like, that kind of great moment when TV running time started to just explode past the 45-minute mark. Uh, I mean, Sam, let's just go chronologically. Uh, we begin this series finale. Moment of general crisis for everyone, I would say. Taylor family in crisis team in crisis, town in crisis, infinite crises spreading out in all directions. And, uh, you know, it's right about then that uh, Matt Saracen walks back into town. Um, how we've, we've talked about the Matt-Julie relationship throughout this whole show. Uh, how do you kind of feel about uh, how this sort of finale uh, rounds out their story arc, which dates all the way back to the pilot? This finale, I mean, goes for it because Matt walks in and Matt makes a very big decision relatively early. I really, the thing I like about this finale in general and about the Matt and Julie story is how full circle it feels. I'm really such a sucker for callbacks, especially to pilots. So the fact that this episode starts with the team being interviewed, it's just it like reminds you so much of where you were, how far you've come, all these different things. And for Matt and Julie, it was the perfect ending, I think. You know, as much as I have some issues with Julie through or have had issues with her throughout her adolescence in general, I like her and I've always rooted for this couple. So for Matt to, spoiler alert, propose and for him to do it outside the Alamo freeze was just so perfect, I felt like, for these two characters. I wish you would have at least told me you were coming home for Christmas. I mean, the surprise was nice, but at least we could have planned something gone somewhere. Hey, Julie, how? Look, ever since you came to Chicago, 
<clears throat> I've been I've been thinking about you all, all the time, and us, and it's just that, that was perfect, and I know how much I love you, and I know that I want to be with you forever. So this is, this is the grandmaster. Taylor. Will he marry me? Yes. Yeah. You were still talking about like the callbacks that are at the core of this episode, Sam, and I love how when Matt first shows up at the Taylor household, like we've kind of seen him now in Chicago. He's got a cool new haircut. Zach Guilford to me just looks like he is fully grown up in his time since he left uh, being a regular on the show. Bodhi, he's at the Taylor household door. He immediately is sort of like back to being his sort of stuttering self. And the look on uh, Eric Taylor's face when he sees Matt Saracen is like some of the best acting that Kyle Chandler ever did on this show. Well-deserved Emmy that he won for this season is all over this episode. I love Matt proposing to Julie in a way that just feels, again, very them. I, I love that that kind of moment of joy is immediately sort of undone by her being like, you did talk to my dad about this, right? And then I love the conversation between him and Coach Taylor. It is just so magnificent. I mean, like, Coach Taylor is just this incredible mixture of, like, amused and then furious, like, all at the same time. Um, I love how... At this point, the show has introduced so many new characters, and I think it speaks to the dexterity of this finale, that it manages to honor everything that made season five so great, you know, all these great arcs that came from season four, while also just kind of bringing to the forefront something that's been so at the core of this whole show, and Matt Saracen and his relationship to the Taylor household. And while doing all of that, you know, that dynamic is really bringing out all of the things that we're seeing happen in uh, between Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor. So it's just it's a lot of things being woven together here in the finale that I think are just handled so well. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've often thought about on this show, which like don't ask me why I've often thought about this, is that moment when Matt goes to Coach Taylor to ask for his daughter's hand and it doesn't go as well as he would like. And Matt decides to like grow a pair and be like, well, we don't actually need your blessing. She already said yes. The look on Coach's face. Like, this is the thing I've thought about too much. I was like, I, and I stand by this, I think that is the angriest we ever saw him on the show. <laughs> and I mean, of course, Kyle Chandler does it even, like, he speaks eventually, but he does it all without words. I mean, I would run the other direction if I got that face. That's the angriest we've ever seen Coach. And I think the second angriest was in season two when that coach shoved Tim Riggins and Coach Taylor threw him up against the wall and threatened to, like, kick his butt. So if you were ever wondering the, like, Two times we've seen Coach Taylor really mad. Those are them. You're welcome. Don't forget about uh, also from season two when he tackled uh, Mo McArnold and destroyed an entire restaurant, which just got <laughs> that just got covered up. That was a major cover up that uh, the the Dylan Panthers never had to deal with. Um, it just seems like so many great like family moments in this episode and. One of the things that we didn't really talk about like too much last week, just because like this is such a jammed it up season, but you know, 
this is very much this season where you have like the character of Becky, who in season four was mm-hmm. this sort of interesting kind of combination of sort of love interest and sort of friend and sort of just someone who really needed Tim Riggins. This season, we saw her going to become a, a member of uh, the Riggins family. And like, I just got to say, like, you know, in an episode full of moments that are very much very emotional and very tear-inducing, for some reason on this rewatch, her kind of saying goodbye to Mindy was something that I found extra moving. Like, I think it gets to, you know, one of the great things about the show is that as much as it is sort of about family and about some families in particular, it's also about how a lot of people who come from broken families kind of manage to create these new families with each other. And, you know, the the extreme of that is the Riggins boys and the, and the Colette girls who somehow form into a veritable Dylan super team of, like, you know, an actual organic family. And I just love that, you know, when Mindy sort of, like, leaves Becky with her mom and, you know, her mom is there. Just a lot of delicate emotions in that scene. Uh, we talked to Dora Madison, who played Becky, about what it was like filming that moment and the real emotions that were kind of at the core of that sequence whenever she was crying when we were saying goodbye um i don't know if that was really because she loved me so much but that was her last day filming the series (laughs) so it was like five years of emotion (laughs) so it was like kind of bottled up in that moment so yeah i think i was like oh wow she really loved becky but it was also that like it was like it was her last day and it was like the whole you know, and how far, like, her character had come. I also love the Becky moment in this episode with Tim, where it's very simple. You know, they run into each other. Tim's having his day with Stevie, which I could talk about forever. And, you know, she kind of finally says, yeah, I did the high school thing. You were right. Thank you for, for your sage wisdom, Tim Riggins. And he she admits that she's over his her crush and there's that great moment where she says you know so are we friends and he says let's say family and like I mean come on like that makes me cry that was coming off the heels of the last time we see Riggins and coach in a scene together when coach kind of tells him you know if you ever need anything you know that I'm here for you and I mean just like everything all of these even like little moments in this finale and that's why I think it's great because a lot of finales go big right they rely on the last five minutes or the crazy shocking twist and the thing about Friday Night Lights is each and every of these 30 second moments a quick interaction hits you and I mean I don't think I've ever cried harder in an episode of television to be honest I, I, I couldn't agree more I mean Sam you're kind of talking about this incredible you know Tim for a lot of the back half of this series he really is the to go really big here he is like the Odysseus figure I mean he is like <laughs> on his odyssey the show explicitly I think kind of name checks that myth at the start of season four before he really begins his sort of like journey into what we might call adulthood or at least a slightly <laughs> a slightly older form of, of childhood and I just think that his sort of story arc in this episode really begins with to think about what you were saying this simple act of grace where he just says like oh, I'll take Stevie for the day and mm-hmm. when I first saw the show I'm not sure I realized how kind of you know I, I now have friends who have kids and really like the nicest thing you can do for them is say like I can take care of your kid for like an hour <laughs> You know, I can I can take your kid you know, you know, off your hands so you can, like, go sleep probably for the first time in 10 days. And I love how him taking his nephew all around town is kind of this great way to him, you know, you get the sense that he's kind of made peace with 
this town in some interesting way and he's kind of teaching stevie about it and you know some of it's very funny he's talking about rally girls he's talking about boosters and i love the idea that you know you're very aware that this is the first of many conversations that tim will have with his nephew giving him wisdom that may or may not always be that wise but i just think that's such a great sequence that i for me i mean boy we've seen taylor kitsch do so many amazing things on this show and to me that really gets to just the core of tim riggins as a human being and i'm with you to have that happen and then have that be the moment when coach kind of comes up to him for their sort of final moment together i really remarkable and really speaks to why you know in a show that has so often gone so big so well, some of the best moments in this finale are those kind of little grace moments. Sure. And that's, I feel like that kind of leads us into the Tim Tyra conversation because another very simple scene before we even get to their goodbye, when the two of them go get drinks with Matt and Julie, it's this beautiful mix of just pure nostalgia because you're looking at four characters who have been around since season one and maybe haven't have been gone. Like Tyra's been gone. Tim was in jail for a little bit Matt's been in Chicago so there's that sense of it where like you're gonna love it no matter what because you're getting to see these people but just also I loved you know they're dancing they go out on the dance floor Tyra kind of very simply can feel herself getting pulled back into the world of Tim Riggins which like we all know what that feels like right I wish (laughs) Um, (laughs) but she just kind of says you know I got plans. And he just says, I don't. And it's so simple and it's so interesting. And the conversation that they have later on kind of complicates that a bit more. But I just, I love that like this show does not waste a second. And even something as simple as characters going out for drinks and dancing, which you feel like might be wasting a second, but but like it's so beautiful and just made me feel so many wonderful things but then of course we also have like their goodbye goodbye so how did you feel about the tyra tim of it all darren i love it i think it's one of the best things that's ever happened in television i we were talking about this a little bit last week and i'm already on the record as saying that i i think the final act of friday night lights would be you know still great but a little bit less convincing to me if you hadn't have had tyra come back and sort of have her come back in the way she does because you know they're kind of farewell again they're out on tim's land and he's sort of talking about how you know much as he has sort of throughout his entire time on the show been this sort of guy who says yeah like you know got no plans like living day by day suddenly he is maybe for the first time in his life planning for a future and you know it's beautifully simple and certainly a lot more i shouldn't say simple it's more straightforward than what her dreams are like she has kind Mm -hmm. of said in that moment like you know i i might want to be a politician i think she says specifically you know "I, i want to be like mrs t but bigger which is in this great way you know gets the core of what this show is all about, where it's like, you know, what can you give the next generation? And, you know, can you make them want to dream bigger than you and be more ambitious than you ever were? And certainly, like, you know, if Mrs. Taylor had heard that, she would have been so happy to hear that. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, go as big as you can. And at the same time, Tim's kind of saying, like, well, like, you know, I want to build a house here. And what he's saying is I want to build a life here. And what I like is that, you know, we're going to talk in a second about the big decisions that the Taylors have to make in this episode. And how that decision comes down to this interesting mixture of like, you know, if we both want something and those are two very different things, like how do we kind of rationalize that? How do we come to a decision? And I like how with Tim and Tyra, two people who were together a long time ago and are still really tied together, the way that wraps up with Tim sort of saying, well, you know, you have dreams and I have dreams and maybe someday those dreams will merge 
you know, it's just great because you're very aware, like, yeah, the, these kids are in, like, they're 19 or 20 right now. Like, they still have a lot more growing up to do, but they seem to be at least aware of that for the first time ever. Like, you know, th they're not in this sort of desperate, like, live for each day kind of mentality anymore. So I, I just think that's incredible. I love, there's a way you can look at that scene, Sam, where you're like, oh, they're, they're destined to be together. And there's a way you look at it where you're kind of like, well, maybe not. Like, this, you know, this could be the end of Before Sunrise where you're just sort of like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And then, you know, mm -hmm. so hopefully 20 years from now, we'll see Tim and Tyra on a Greek island somewhere with, with, with blonde twins. We'll see. We'll see. That's that's one possible interpretation. But I don't know, Sam, how, how, how do you kind of feel about that as someone who, clear to say, you, you have your own thoughts on Tim Riggins and what might be good for him. So how do you kind of feel about how that, uh, how that relationship uh, winds up? Uh, you know, I fully agree with you as a quote-unquote shipper, which I am. I'm not going to deny it. Every show, I ship certain couples. Uh, I love this ending. I love that it's this idea that she has dreams, he has dreams. Maybe one day they'll merge. Maybe one day they won't. But it kind of... I like the... I like that you brought up that Tim for so long was a character who didn't have plans and now he does because it's a, a very interesting evolution because I was just thinking back to the pilot and you look at the first Texas Forever scene and you look at Tim, he did have plans, but his plans were very much so attached to writing his best friend's coattails and just kind of doing nothing for the rest of his life and figuring it out. And then along the way, he stumbled a bit. And now he's gotten to a place where he's been through some stuff. He knows what he wants. He is planning his life. And I, for some reason, I really, really love the line. And maybe it's obvious why I love it, though I don't think it's necessarily for the reasons people will think. But when Tim says, you know, that part of his plans is to never do anything illegal again for the rest of his life ever... That's a big deal for this character. Like, that should not be a big deal for a regular human being. But it just, it shows, like, it is, this speech in so many ways is the culmination of, like, here's what Tim Riggins has learned during the past five years. And here's this beautiful land and this, like, literal land of opportunity for him to kind of build upon it from there. And so, like, like I love the Tyra stuff. I love that she's there. But aside from it, I feel like this is such a huge moment for him. And as someone who's so attached to this character, the fact that I feel content in leaving him after that moment, I think speaks volumes for what that scene does. Totally. And I mean, uh, you know, you're kind of talking about that first great scene in the pilot between him and Street. And what I think he says specifically is that, you know, he'll be the caretaker for Street's land <laughs> while, while Street is off sort of, you know, playing some awesome, you know, glowing NFL career. And I just find that, you know, to think about where that character has been since then and how, you know, he's kind of learned to take care of other people and now in the process has become the caretaker of his own land. I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of a really interesting, subtle storytelling that, that's going on in that final sequence between him and Tyra, which I, I just find I could watch that scene a hundred times and always kind of find something new to kind of cherish uh, in, in how they play it and, you know, in, in how the actors play it too. I mean, uh, we talked a little bit to uh, uh, Adrian Palicki about how she kind of felt about how that sequence sort of wound up and what she what was kind of on her mind going into the filming of it. This is the way I always looked at it because this is the scene that she has with, with Riggins and you know, he's like, hey, here's this land. We could we could do this. And she's like, well, I'm going to go do me, and we'll see what happens. Is pretty much what the scene is, <laughs> you know? 
So I've been in love with you for since I was, you know, five years old. But I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do me. You know what I love about that moment is the mentality of Tyra saying, or you know, you know, I'm gonna do me. I have my dreams, whatever. It takes me back to season three, what Tim said to Lila when she was gonna follow him to college and he, you know, told her don't let me be the guy who keeps you from chasing your dreams. And here's Tyra who won't let him be the guy. She, you know, as much as she loves him and is vulnerable around him, it's the same sort of sentiment of I have these dreams, you have these dreams. It's just all coming together, Darren. It's all coming together. I, I couldn't agree more. No, it's so great. And I, I think it speaks to some really humanist core to this show that's just there from the beginning and that only just it feels so open hearted here at the finale. Like the idea of Tim Riggins, who who, you know, is the coolest man alive for a significant proportion of this show, even when he is living, squatting in an Airstream, in an abandoned house on the far side of town and planning to go, like, work in Alaska. He is still the coolest man alive. I don't know, the idea that, like, as you said, with both Lila and with Tyra, these two incredible, very different women who he's had relationships with, the final act is kind of him being like, yeah, like, you know, I understand that you have your own dreams, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it's a simple but maybe important message to be kind of like, Tim could be a real asshole, but like, there's still some recognition he has about, you know, the fact that other people kind of have their own journeys to make. And I just think that's, that's a really interesting note to end on for a character who, you know, when we first met him, seemed like a total wonderful hot dumbo of a Texas football player. So I, I love where that wraps up. And... You know, it's interesting because in that scene, Tyra specifically is talking about the role that uh, Mrs. T ha- has played in her life. And, and you're very aware that, like, she has absorbed all the lessons of Tammy Taylor, as we all must. To have that playing out at a time when uh, Coach and Mrs. Coach are dealing with their own really interesting questions about the future and about their ambitions. Um, I just think it's really lovely. Uh, you know, Sam, we left off in the last episode at the moment of the biggest rift this marriage has ever seen, like up to it, including that one time Glenn kissed Tammy, where, (laughs) you know, this question of what's their future going to be. And, you know, to me, it's also the question of, you know, what has the last 18 years been about? Uh, You know, what has Tammy kind of been doing this whole time? What has Eric been doing this whole time? Um, As much as this episode is about, you know, the lead up to the state championship. It's much more about the kind of lead up to this big question of what's their future going to be. And I just tear up every time I think about it. Though I'd forgotten, Sam, somehow it overlooked my memory that this is also one of the best Christmas episodes of all time. (laughs) So the fact that, like, the final moment of Eric coming to tell Tammy that he has given up the Dylan job. That happens when they're right in front of a mall Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> I I don't know how you can get much more, like, you know, just purely emotional than that. How do you kind of feel about, you know, we've now tracked this marriage as closely as a marriage can be tracked for so long. How do you kind of feel about, you know, that ultimate decision and what that kind of means for, for both characters? I forget every time I go back to rewatch this show just how far they push this because you would think you know we're in the last episode this is something that they're going to want to resolve and let these two be happy but they continue for the at least the first half of this episode to have these conversations and that you know the scene where they take Matt and Julie out to dinner to try to talk to them about marriage is hard and all and Tammy just breaks down and 
you're watching it and you're emotionally about to break and you're sitting there thinking one of them has to give and they're both like Tammy is just so beaten down. Eric is not budging. And it's like, how is this going to resolve itself? And it always amazes me. And I think it's so true to life and incredibly realistic and especially true to Eric's character because he's pretty stubborn let's be real that they go to such extremes and that they push it so far and it gives it that much more of an emotional impact when he just shows up at the mall and grabs Tammy and one of my favorite lines just purely because of the way he words it I say it to people all the time and they have no idea what I'm saying and if I actually want to go to Philadelphia but is will you take me to Philadelphia with you please like (laughs) The wording of that is just so Eric. And there's, I don't know, it's something as opposed to if he just said, let's go to Philly or will you go to Philly with me? Just for something about, will you take me with you, please? He is recognizing that she has made this decision, that this is her move, that she will be taking him and that, you know, he's kind of switching roles. They're switching roles a little bit in this marriage. They are putting her career first. And I think it's so great. Yeah, I I think it's so beautiful. I mean, like uh, one of my favorite movies, although I never know how to pronounce its name, is either Meet Me in (laughs) St. Louis or Meet Me in St. Louis. I've literally heard it. I've literally heard learned people say it both ways. So I don't know. Classic Judy Garland musical, uh, classic Christmas movie. But, you know, that movie kind of builds up to this big decision point for like the father of the household where it's kind of like, you know, I've got this new job far away from home and like you know will I move my family and and, and will I not and spoiler alert uh, it's a very happy movie so he does not (laughs) wind up moving them but to think about how this to me conjures up that same kind of feeling but the fact that instead here it's as you say Sam it's like this really stubborn incredibly lovable and incredibly sometimes bullheaded dad saying like no like I'm not going to insist on staying here like frankly here can be kind of crazy sometimes and frankly you've put up with a whole lot Tammy and I I just like how as much as this show has made us love Dylan I love how the decision that they make comes down to like you know what's important for us now you know we are not tied into one place that's not you know we're we're not tied into one state of being and I, I just think that that decision and how they both kind of react to it just really brings a tear to my eye and is a great teaching moment for all couples who are searching for, you know, how to compromise sometimes. Um, And I I like to, I mean, again, to think about all of the kind of emotional climaxes that are happening in this episode that I'm now realizing is all emotional climax all the time. Um, You also get that great moment between Vince and Jess. And we didn't talk about this too much in our last episode, Sam, just because there's too much to talk about in this season. But, you know, I love how this season, Jess, who to me was always a really, like, fun character. And I think that, um, you know, Journey Smollett, like, brought a lot of, like, just great energy to the show. This season, I feel like it's right towards the end that the show finally figures out, like, what is this character's, like, arc? What is this character's story? And the idea of her, like, wanting to not just be a football fan, but to have an active role in football and to be, you know, the second female high school football coach in America. I love what that brings into the show, and I love just the final moment between her and Vince when Vince kind of says, like, you know, like, I was a total, uh, you know, so-and-so. 
Um, and I'm happy you're part of this team. And I, I, I don't know, I, I always find that to be just another little echo of what's going on mm-hmm. with the Taylors, this great moment of, you know, not just like a couple getting back together, but two people really kind of recognizing each other in a really lovely way. I, I, and, you know, again, just to think about those two characters have been on their own really interesting journey. And I, I just like how with every relationship that is kind of paid off in this episode, there's this sort of hard-won there's a hard-won victory to each of them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It is. It's like there's a theme of mutual respect, which is like a weird theme. But even with Tim and Tyra saying, you have dreams, I have dreams. You have Jess and Vince recognizing each other's dreams. You have Eric and Tammy recognizing each other's dreams and validating each other's dreams. And it's just like beautiful. Like there are no other words. It's, I think it's just it's so, so great. beautiful. It's so beautiful. This is a show about learning how to mutually respect people. Like, I, I'm not sure what can be more, like, moving and more straightforward than that. Um, you know, Sam, we should kind of get into, uh, there is a game in this episode, and the, the lead-up to it is particularly quite emotional, and how it kind of plays out is very emotional. Uh You know, again, this is sort of the third time that we've been to state on this show Mm -hmm. because Eric Taylor, lest we forget, is the best coach in the world, it turns (laughs) out. It's it's so remarkable to think of how abused he is. Like, Dylan, like, what's what are your other options? Mac? Like, are you really excited (laughs) about 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 Mac being your coach? Um, but I love, you know, the lead up to the the game is different in some ways. I mean, this is not like one of the shows like super rah-rah, like we're in the thick of it, we're seeing each play. Like it really feels Mm -hmm. like the story in a lot of respects, it's almost kind of over by the time they get to state and all that's left is this just sort of incredible final act, which is played out so beautifully. How do you kind of feel about like how the show kind of leads into that game and what it kind of does for the characters? I have such a vivid memory of the moment (laughs) there is one particular line that I will talk about in a second that launches and then we get the game and I like I could tell you what I was wearing I was sitting (laughs) cross-legged on my bed watching this finale and the way that they chose to do the game to basically we hear we hear nothing of the actual game it's silent for those intents and purposes and we just get to watch it play out That's when it hit me how hard I was crying because when it went quiet, I was left with nothing but the sound of my sobs. And I mean, those like two minutes, I was, I mean, I was crying mostly because I was thinking, A, this is so beautiful and B, this is the last time I will experience this beauty for the first time because I was just sad that the show was ending. But I was a, I mean, literally a silent football game is the hardest I've ever cried at a TV show, not a character death. Like this was absurd. And it all starts with the moment in the locker room before the game. Oh God. I don't even know if I can say this without crying. Um, coach goes to Vince and, you know, gives him his little talk. Cause he's about to go out there as a quarterback and they want to win state and whatever. And Vince just looks at him and Michael B. Jordan's delivery of you changed my life coach. That's when the sobs start and they do not stop from there for me. <laughs> I mean, it's just like their relationship in particular, which is just so important to these last couple of seasons, is so great. Because, I mean, you know, we've seen how Coach Taylor 
as I think you've said before, Sam, how like with each kid, there's this sense that he has to kind of coach them in a certain way. It's very mm-hmm. kind of like individualistic. And it's it's part of the show's kind of whole philosophy. You know, and it, it extends to there's that great moment with uh, Tammy as she is sort of like at that panel earlier in the season where she says like, yeah, like we should pay individual attention to every student. Like that's what we should do. And it's it's a beautiful dream, maybe not super <laughs> achievable within, within the bureaucracy of the education system. But the fact that we see that with Coach Taylor is interesting. And even so, between him and Vince, there's just this sense that they both kind of saved each other, really. And like, as much as, you know, as you say in that moment, Sam, Vince, who is this super emotionally open person and can say, you changed my life, Coach. I always kind of think that there's just that glimmer in Kyle Chandler's face where you're very aware that like, he changed his life too. I mean, like when these two first met, they were both in like a really not so great place. And so I just think Mm -hmm. that from there on through, Sam, I'm right there with you. Um, the fact that so much of that last game, you're sort of constantly cutting to the players who are watching and who are playing, and then to the people in the stands who are watching. There's that great moment when Vince's dad shows up, and you know it's clear that he's you know very far, way high up in the stands. Like you know he's not like intruding. He's not. This is not necessarily a moment where he is going to become a better person or that that relationship will be solved. I just think in that. In that sequence, as someone who was never good at sports and was constantly afraid of of playing games that I had to play before I stopped playing sports in high school, like, I'm just very aware of something that I think this show always circled around, which was like, you know, in that moment in the game, it's not that you're kind of escaping from your life and it's not that your life becomes simpler. It's just sort of like everything is there all at once and like your family is there with you and your whole past has led up to that moment and it just all ends up with that pass and like I I could honestly just have watched like five more minutes of people turning their heads in slow motion. <laughs> like I feel like, you know, there's another version of this episode where you just see like every single character from the whole run of the show just sort of turning their heads and like, you know, Glenn is there in the stands turning his heads and like Derek the slutty TA is there turning his head. Like The Swede just... is there. <laughs> the Swede Oh my god, the, the Swede was definitely there, probably with his whole like crappy rock band too. Um <laughs> but it's it's just great because every single one of those close-ups is like designed to bring a tear to your eye and it does it's like you've seen all these people come to this point and it's just this great moment of a final collective hush falling across this whole town i I love it so much and then and then of course just when you think you've seen everything you see everything like you know eight months later it's just it's sort of this incredible rush of drama right at the end of of uh, this finale Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. If you've resolved to take on a new challenge, like starting a business, changing careers, launching a creative project, or moving to Philadelphia with your wife, be sure to lock down your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace is used by a wide range of people and businesses, including musicians, designers, artists, and restaurants, and allows you to create everything from a professional blog to a portfolio from which to showcase your work, hello Matt Saracen, or an online store where you can officially open for business. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code BINGE, that's B-I-N-G-E, to get 10% off your first purchase plus a free domain. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. (laughs) 
I remember, obviously, we don't see the very end of the game. We see Vince throw these 63-yard Hail Mary, but we don't know if they catch it. We don't know if they win state. And I remember for half a second panicking, thinking, oh, my, like, they can't leave this. I have to know if they win. And, of course, they immediately go into, I mean, just talk about, like, seamless. Uh, they seamlessly go into these flash forwards, if that's, like, if that's what you want to call them. And it's kind of our final montage, and we very quickly see Vince as a Panther practicing, and they very purposefully show you the state ring right off the bat so you know that they ca- you don't know who caught it I don't know but you know they caught it they won state it's great and it also speaks a lot the fact that I didn't feel robbed by not seeing them win or seeing them celebrate or seeing the look between coach and Tammy when he went like that was all I didn't feel the need for that I was perfectly happy to kind of just make sure these people were okay in the next phases of their life and so obviously you know, looking to who made it to the Panthers. Tinker made it, which made me so happy. I'm not sure that there's a moment in that sort of, in the final epilogue that is just more like, it makes you just kind of like release all your tension. Like, thank goodness. All right, like if, if Tinker is on the Panthers, then like the world has 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 officially rediscovered its sort of correct orbit. Tinker's on the Panthers. You see Buddy Jr. is there. Uh, all of our favorite coaches from the Lions are now Billy. coaching the Panthers. Billy, Billy is a coach. Billy is beginning his long journey to becoming the winningest high school football coach in Texas history. I, I guarantee it. I'm sure of it. I have I, I've seen the future. Um, you know, you see that Buddy is sort of back in his golf cart in, in some respects right back where we found him. Although, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that Buddy Jr. is there and we hear in the finale that Buddy Jr. will stick around. Like, there's been some incremental change for old Buddy Garrity, which is certainly an inspirational note for that character to sort of end on. Um, you know, again, there's there's some bittersweet stuff in this epilogue. You know, I, I always kind of think about that moment of seeing the East Dillon field kind of coming apart. Mm-hmm. And as they kind of pull down the scoreboard, you see them pull down the kind of state champion manner. The moment that I think I always really sort of think about just for pure kind of bittersweet finality is, you know, we see that Luke and Becky are together mm-hmm. and that's certainly a couple that's been through a lot, but you know, they're kind of saying goodbye cause he's off to join the army, which, you know, in the context of where we met that character and thinking about what his dreams were, not necessarily what he wanted to do. And, you know, there is, to me, there's that tension of just like, you know, them being apart and you sort of worry about him as you normally would worry about anyone going to join the army. And I, I, I think that's interesting to weave that in the, into the middle of an, of an epilogue that in some respects is really victorious. Sure. And we talked about that a little bit last week, this idea that as upsetting as it is to watch Luke you know, enlist and leave his football dreams behind. I mean, it's similar to Tim Riggins leaving his cleats on the field and walking away. It's that, you know, so many of these kids, no matter how talented you might think they are in this little world, aren't going to go on to, you know, achieve achieve the NFL dream or whatever you want to call it. And I know when we spoke to Matt Loria, he actually talked about how he was so surprised because he himself thought Luke was, was so good and was a little shocked at where he ended up. I was shocked because I, cause Luke was so talented and he really should have ended up at a D1 school. And there was, no, you know, there was no reason on paper why he shouldn't have. But then the beautiful part of the story that, that I thought was so brilliant about it from Kadams was that things don't always work out that way. It's not always like the dream scenario. And for a lot of these guys, 
who devote their whole lives to it and they have all the talent in the world, sometimes it just doesn't quite line up for whatever reason. And then um, I, I remember reading that script about, you know, showing up in the uniform and all that. And I was like shocked. And then I thought, yeah, but you know what? Makes sense. You know, it really, that's that. I thought that it was such a true representation of how the story ends up for so many, you know, young men and women, you know, in those types of, in those walks of life, in those sort of towns or regions or whatever. We cut from uh, that couple and sort of seeing where they're at eight months later to uh, Matt and Julie living the high life in Chicago. Uh, Me and my girlfriend, our kind of favorite thing with the later seasons of the show was keeping track of what Matt's art was looking like. And uh, apparently since moving to Chicago, he's gotten really big into like plants and trees. That seems to be like, that's that's what his sort of like, you know, artistic mindset is at right now, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Remember when I, he used to only draw hands? He, the hands, the hands, Sim. <laughs> we couldn't stop talking about this. He was obsessed with hands. Like there's there's a whole, the, the two close readings that I want on this show are like, what's going on with Matt Saracen's art? And like, what can we learn about Landry from the music of Crucifictorious? But, uh, you know, we see that like, there together, living a cool kind of Chicago loft life, probably about to become best pals with the people from Happy Endings. Um, <laughs> we see that uh, Jess is indeed, uh, has moved to Dallas with her family. Uh, she seems like she's sort of like, you know, resumed her role as the kind of coach's shadow. Uh, there's that great shot of Buddy in the Dylan Panthers field house, just putting up the sign, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Our last sighting of him, I just think is great. Like that's a character who has defined like the best and worst parts of Dylan for so long. And just kind of end up on him with that kind of moment of grace, I always think is really lovely. And then there's uh, the Riggins boys. And uh, I mean, Sam, I, I don't know what else what else you need out of television than the Riggins boys building a house on Tim Riggins' land. Um, what, uh, you need the Riggins you... boys to be shirtless building a house on some land. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, how do you kind of feel, besides the lack of uh, shirtlessness, uh, how do you kind of feel about how that kind of final sequence between the two of them plays out? I love it so much. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I know that there's um, there was an alternate scene that they filmed where Scott Porter was a part of it. Jason Street was a part of it. And part of me always thought, oh, that would be really lovely because in the beginning of the show, it was much more about Street and Riggins relationships than it was about Billy and Riggins relationship. But I think just how far the show has come and what this, you know, especially with the jail of it all, watching the two of them kind of reconnect and Tim is working toward achieving his dreams and he's still all Texas forever and it's so great I think that's such like a beautiful moment and I know it kind of has even more of an emotional impact when you hear people on the show talk about it you know we talked to Derek Phillips and he actually spoke about how this was the last scene that they shot of Friday Night Lights ever and kind of the impact that had on the entire cast that was actually the last scene that, the sh- that we shot on the show. That was the final scene on the show. And so Tim and I are sitting there on this hill. Taylor and I are sitting on this hill. Uh, you know, we did the Texas Forever thing, and we're looking out at the sunset. What we're actually looking out on is maybe 150 people uh, that have worked on the show, from actors to designers to Peter Berg to producers. Uh, and that's what we were looking out at. 
was 200 crying faces. The actors that hadn't been on the show since the third season uh, had flown back. So, you know, it was Adrian Palicki was there and Guys Charles and Scott Porter and all these people who had, who had moved on from the show at that point. So it was really wonderful just to have that moment and look out over the sea of people that you love. And uh, it, I'm so blessed to have had that moment. I'm so blessed to have had this show in general, but that one moment in particular, I don't know how it could have gone out better. You know, it was hard to keep it together in the scene because it's not supposed to be an overly emotional scene. You know, we're not crying when we say Texas forever, but it was hard not to cry at that moment, just looking out at all these, all these people that you love in this experience that, you know, was five years in the making and, you can say five years in the making, but for me as an actor, it felt like it was about 15, you know, between the, the 10 years of busting your butt and not getting a lot of stuff going and then to have that experience for five years. It was just, I don't know that I'll ever have anything uh, that quite resembles that in terms of that moment, you know. As you said, Sam, uh, Scott Porter, who of course played the great Jason Street, was originally supposed to kind of return for the show's final act. You know, they they filmed a, a final sequence with him involved, which, as you said, like you want to say, like that would have been interesting. Um, Scott Porter himself kind of talked a little bit with us about, uh, you know, what that scene would have been and why they ultimately decided not to include it. You know, they, they we shot like a, a separate little scene, and there's a picture that floats around on the internet that some people have of, of Jason showing up at you know Riggins' new ranch. Uh, you know, kind of when him and his brother are building this this home. You know, and it was me and Derek Phillips and Taylor Kitch, and you know, we shot an alternate you know, kind of image, but I think they wanted to, when they finished the show, and that was in the very end, that was the final episode, you know, so one more small appearance, but I think they, you know, and I I don't want to speak for the writers or or the producers, but I think they kind of wanted to let everybody's storylines kind of naturally end, and they thought, you know, Jason coming back one more time, you know, it's, it's kind of kind of been said before and you can kind of be assumed that these guys are going to be friends for life so they didn't have to show them there that was more about the resolution of of the riggins brothers and of of tim finally becoming a man as well and, uh didn't really have to have jason there for it but we did shoot an alternate ending and um it was fun to come back and be there for the finale but uh but again you know there was so much stuff that hit the cutting room floor you know there were some scenes from that episode where jason came back that you know, I don't know if they ever made a DVD extras or anything like that, but, you know, he gives the East Dillon Lions a, a speech on, you know, keeping their heads up and, and hitting correctly and all these things. And there's a, this really cool kind of coaching moments from Jason that didn't end up making the the episode. But that's the burden of having a show with so many talented actors and so many great storylines that not everything makes it all the time. So I was uh, I was more than happy with, with the appearance in, in the fifth season. Sam, one thing that comes to my mind is that when I think about like what's the best Texas forever in Friday Night Lights which is in some ways is an unanswerable question because the best one is whichever one you're watching at, at, at any given moment um, you know there's that great very hopeful quality to Texas forever back in the pilot there's that incredible emotion behind Texas forever when Jason Street says goodbye to Tim Riggins and to me like the the awesomeness of that ending makes me think that, you know, maybe it's better. Like, I didn't really need another intensely emotional final moment between them, although 
would not have turned it down either. Um, but I think there's something about this last one between Billy and Tim, and maybe just because like these characters in particular like have just been through the ringer over the course of this whole show and have made a lot of mistakes and brought out the worst in each other, but ultimately brought out the best in each other. Again, just thinking about the hopeful quality of this episode, like this finale doesn't really end on the idea that like everything will be great and happy forever, but it does end on the idea that like these people kind of have each other and you know they have kind of been through a lot together and, and whatever else comes along, they'll be there for each other. And so I think for me, this Texas forever because it it connotes all of that. like really just for me it's 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 number one. I mean, the fact that, Texas Forever are the only two words spoken during it, I think is perfect because both Taylor Kitsch and Derek Phillips can do so much. And there is that moment where Billy is, you know, hammering in a nail or whatever. I know about building houses, guys, so much. And Tim just kind of looks at him and has this a little bit of a smile on his face. And it's that moment where you feel like Billy has been forgiven you know we're coming off I spoke a lot last week about my favorite scene arguably of the entire series being you know Billy asking Tim are you ever going to forgive me and he's like I don't know like you know I'm going to hold on to it as long as I want to hold on to it and I felt like that moment for me was the moment Tim let go of any anger he had left and it just went back to being about these two guys who love Texas and love each other but when it comes to Texas forever's I'm going to throw you for a loop. I know we mentioned before on this podcast, but um, there's a little web series called Friday Night at the Luncheonette, which was a parenthood Friday Night Lights crossover because Jason Kadams created both worlds. And anyone who watches parenthood, like people, there are Panthers, there's Panthers memorabilia in rooms. People wear Panther football. It's great. So they did a little web series where um, Crucifictorious, along with Billy Riggins, because why not? showed up to record at the Luncheonette, which is a recording studio in Parenthood. And the it's like a 20-minute thing. Oh, you should all watch it because Landry and Amber, who's played by Mae Whitman, kind of have a thing. And, like, I love them. They're great. I wish they would end up together. Um, but there is this wonderful, wonderful moment. The web series actually ends with, like, the next day, Amber is coming through the recording studio, like, picking up because, of course, Billy, like, turned it into a party because he's Billy. And she closes the doors of the recording studio and spray painted across the back are the words Texas forever. And I just started <laughs> crying. <laughs> so that That's might be my favorite. Incredible. Oh, my God. That is that is pretty tough to beat. Wait, but isn't isn't Parenthood set in like the Bay Area or something like that? Or is it is, yeah. is in California, right? So did, it is in did California. Landry... Did Landry, like, leave Rice and pursue a music career in the Bay Area thrash scene? Oh, my God. Incredible. <laughs> I want to hear more about Crucifictorious. I want to check in. I want to know, like, did they ever have, have a hit single? What do their music videos look like? It's just so many unanswered questions, Sam. Um, Wait, Darren, how did you feel about the two-second Landry cameo in the finale? Well, I felt good. Uh, I, I misspoke <laughs> last week when I said that uh, the last time we see Landry Clark is at the landing strip. Uh, we do, in fact, see him at home in the finale. Uh, again, Sam, you were kind of talking so much about these great 
callbacks. This whole scene just feels like it lives in the history of the characters, uh, Matt and Landry and their dynamic, because Landry's kind of giving him advice on how to talk to Coach Taylor about proposing. Landry, of course, giving horrible romantic advice was one of the first great story arcs of Friday Night Lights. And he even mentions how, you know, it's been just a few years since we were talking about how to, like, talk to Julie Taylor and now you're trying to marry her, which I think they literally had that conversation over the opening credits of the pilot. Um, so that's all good. It's interesting that for every character that gets an incredible send-off, Landry's just Landry, you know? Like, he's he's always himself, like, no matter what happens to him, no matter how many women he uh, somehow manages to seduce with his peculiar charms, <laughs> he he's always uh, Landry Clark, and I, I very much do cherish that. Um, Sam, we, we should talk a bit about, besides being a great Christmas episode and a great series finale, this is also just a great episode about Philadelphia, it turns out, <laughs> because uh, after spending pretty much the whole run of this show in Texas, uh, the final sequence takes place uh, on the playing field of the Pioneers, I think they are called, uh, which definitely way less cool than Lions and Panthers, but uh, <laughs> I shouldn't talk because my high school mascot was the Bells. But... Um, <laughs> We see Coach, I think, you know, he's he's hanging out here in Philadelphia, bringing his, his, his Texas style to the high school football there. Uh, you know, he kind of, he kind of has, has that great moment of telling him clear eyes, full hearts, and nobody knows what he's talking about. Um, I, you know, to think about how we have seen this guy build himself up so many times, and the fact that the show ends with him needing to start rebuilding again, and that's like a really happy ending... I'm tearing up just thinking about it, Sam. I think that's a pretty <laughs> remarkable spot for the show to kind of land on with that character. And all that's right before Tammy Taylor comes out to meet him in the middle of the field. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff, Sam. Yeah, it does. It brings it back to the marriage. It brings it back to, you know, as much as this is a show about Coach Taylor being a great football coach, it is much more about... Tammy and coach and the life that they've built because that's a life we've been living in for the past five years and so to see him you know a little bit excited by you know he has that whole idea of we've got a long way to go gentlemen but he's looking forward to it and yeah the moment where they don't know clear eyes full hearts can't lose and he's just like we'll deal with that later I love that it's just a simple you know he has places to go and there is a comfort in no in the fact that like we know where he's going you know we know what he's going to do with this team what he wants to do what he wants to build and then just having Tammy come out and it's like are you ready to go home and it hits me so hard because home is Texas but it's not now but it home is wherever she is to be super cheesy and so to have it kind of just boil down to these two amazing amazing characters and have them walk off with the lights I mean come on it's perfect it's perfect. The lights the lights turn off. I'm not sure I had really thought about the title of the show so literally until like <laughs> the very end of this when you see the lights turn off. I just I think it's great. I think that, you know, these two characters and how we followed them is something that 
it's it's hard to think of another show that's just done a marriage or done a relationship between two people so well. And again, you know, to go back to something that I was talking about earlier, like it's not like everything's going to be perfectly happy forever, but they got each mm-hmm. other, and like that's kind of the most important thing. Um, you know, Sam, uh, one of the interesting things about this finale is. Uh, to talk about you know something else that was originally con- uh, conceived for it, there was originally going to be a final speech by Coach Taylor, sort of playing over this sort of whole final act, uh, which ultimately they opted not to include. But uh, you can find it on the season five DVD. Gentlemen, the time has come for me to move on. I will always remember the feeling of that hot breeze slapping my face as I walked onto the field on a hot Friday night in Texas sizzled the hot dogs grilling up the concession stand and smelled the grass the vibrations from the bleachers as the crowd first roars and all of your hopeful eyes shining out from underneath those helmets and you will always be part of me my heart and my soul you are my family I ask only this of you, wherever you go, whatever you do, remember this time, remember this time when together we accomplished the impossible, and know wherever I go, whatever I do, I will take these memories with me, I will cherish these memories. Always. I gotta I'm say, actually going to cry. I got to say, I'm not sure there was anything else that Friday Night Lights could do to bring a tear to my eye. Uh, you know, first of all, first of all, uh, who knew that Eric Taylor was so poetic? Who knew that all along during those practices he was sort of barking down his impressions like a kid in a creative writing class, like hot dog sizzling, yes, yes, okay. Um, <laughs> for me, what really gets me there, besides the fact that it ends with the word always, which is, of course, the title of the finale, is uh, what he says, you know, in a way that, to me, the finale already makes very explicit, and I understand why they didn't include this. But that line about family and about how, you know, you were my family. I mean, that's that's the core of the show in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's it's a simple idea, this idea of, like, finding family and finding people who care about each other and take care of each other. Uh, but it's also a really complicated idea. And the fact that the show managed to dramatize that, uh, you know, w- without the usual sort of shortcuts to drama that we so often get in television is uh, really remarkable. Oh, man. <laughs> Coach, Ta- Coach Taylor, can you just give me, like, one inspiring speech per day? <laughs> <laughs> right? The two things I really like about this is, one, it very much so feels like the writer, in this case, it's Jason Kadams, because he won an Emmy for writing this, as he should have, but it very much so feels like the writer's message to the fans in a lot of way, to the viewers of, you know, wherever you go, whatever you do, remember this time. It's just, you know, remember the time you had on this show as a viewer, whatever. And the only other thought I had is, you know, there's a lot of talk about memories. And I'm just like, "Mm, is Coach Eric Taylor basically saying, like, we made some memories, Tim Reagan style? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I think it just happened. Let's go make some memories. Um, 
Sam, you know, this is the end of the show, and one of the things that I, I like so much about this finale, in a way that, like, I think most finales that I like sort of end on this idea that, you know, life will sort of keep on going on for these people somehow. I mean, like, uh, you know, that's very true of something like The Wire. That's maybe true of Sopranos. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for a future binge. But I like how, you know, as much as this show brings these characters to a sort of, you know, beautiful ending point for the show, it's very clear that for a lot of them, their lives are really just beginning or certainly are beginning a new direction. Um, as, as you may expect, given that, there's been talk pretty much since the show ended about if there will, would be some future iteration of it. Uh, seems like every few months there's still some talk about the Friday Night Lights movie. Uh, we were talking, uh, Kassam, right after we, we started recording this, uh, Peter Berg, who of course originally created the show al along with uh, directing the uh, Friday Night Lights film, he uh, went on Bill Simmons' podcast and talked about the subject for that theoretical movie. Uh, which sounded kind of disturbing, I have to admit. <laughs> Wasn't it about, like, the coach, like, being brought up on charges or something like that? <laughs> yeah, it was basically so. I guess Kadams had written a script. At least that was the rumor at one point, And then they've since decided not to do it. It pretty much seems dead at this point. And so he admitted that it was loosely based on Mike Leach and when he was let go from Texas Tech. And basically it sounds like Coach Taylor was going to be brought up on charges for things that he did not commit, but basically being accused of like mistreating players. And I think you and I both kind of discussed just the very idea that coach Taylor, we've spent so long watching him be a kingmaker and this brilliant role model. I don't know. I mean, I trust Kadams with anything if I'm being completely honest, but I don't know that I would have wanted to watch his downfall in some way even if he's wrongfully accused just watching him be accused like that doesn't that does not seem fun to me yeah I mean like you know certainly there were so many times on the show where part of the kind of frustrating wonder of watching it was seeing coach Taylor and seeing Tammy and seeing seeing these people we love struggling against not just other teams but struggling against like you know their own kind of like town and their own and so I, I, I get that idea and listen like to put this out out there anybody who you know if this group of people want to make anything i am there for it but it definitely would have been like and it, it's, it's definitely an interesting idea for continuing this story <laughs> the one thing i will say that i just thought of that would sell me on this movie is if coach taylor himself stood up at the end of it and gave his closing argument and it was one of these epic speeches i'm in done Ooh, i like that you're saying that he because i was yeah i was trying to figure out if there were any if, if, if any of his players had gone on to be lawyers but it's uh it's all let's see his, his players went on to be an agent uh an aggie a player a a a, a, a great player uh, someone who works in an art gallery and the bartender at Buddy's. So no, no lawyers yet, but maybe, maybe Tyra, maybe Tyra, Tyra. could come along. Actually, um, you know, uh, the fact that that film does seem like it's kind of dead to me. Like I, I'm okay with these five seasons being the Friday Night Lights story. Um, it's hard to think of what made me love the show so much working in a two-hour format because I do think that you know. 
And to me, this goes back to the core for why this became a TV show. Like, Peter Berg made the Friday Night Lights movie, which is a very, very good movie. One of the last great sort of sports movies made in America because, you know, there really aren't that many sports movies made anymore, period. Um, but, you know, he knew that there was a lot more material in the original uh, Buzz Bissinger book. He knew there was a lot more to explore in the town. And just, you know, over the course of five seasons, I feel like we you know, in some respects, got into every nook and cranny of Dylan. And it'd be hard to imagine that sort of coming to the fore in a kind of two-hour, even a three-hour movie. Though, again, if, if you all want to make a three-hour Friday Night Lights movie, I am first in line. I'm totally there. <laughs> yeah, and I do think there is, there's just something to be said. You know, we've talked this entire hour about how much we enjoy this finale and think it's a great finale. And there's something to be said for a really good ending, as much as, People hate endings. I'm with you. Goodbyes suck. They're upsetting. But there is a lot to be said for a show that goes out in such a way that is so powerful and kind of the perfect conclusion. And I think a lot of people's first instinct is just when you love something, you want more of it. But I think for this show, and this is, you know, Kyle Chandler has always said that he wouldn't want to do a movie. And his his reasoning was always the ending was perfect. And I think that I'm going to have to agree with him on that as much as, of course, I would watch more Friday Night Lights and I would probably love it if the right people were behind it. I think it just went out in such a way that as much as painful as it is, it's time to to say goodbye. And the time has come for us to say goodbye, Sam. It's been such an incredible journey going through. Well, I mean, Sam, we'll still work together. It's okay. We're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not saying goodbye to each other. It's fine. But we are saying goodbye to Friday Night Lights. Um, we are so thankful to everybody from the show who talked with us about their time on the show and was kind of there to sort of relive some of their favorite Friday Night Lights memories. And uh, we asked everybody uh, where they thought their characters were now. And uh, I, as I am already beginning to tear up from thinking about this finale, uh, I think I'll now start tearing up listening to them talk about uh, where they think some of our favorite Dylan uh, citizens wound up after all these years. So let's start with the amazing Luann Stevens, who, of course, played Grandma Saracen. I want to say something positive. And maybe she, okay, let's go the other way, because I said she's probably dead. But, okay, let's go a different direction. There's all these new meds now for dementia that there, that there wasn't then, that there weren't then. So let's just say that she has got the new meds. Uh, she's moved into a very classy home near uh, Julie, you know, and Matt, and, um, and things are going great. We'll just say that. Because the other option, I think, is <laughs> more likely that's been 10 years. <laughs> maybe she's had uh, a, a lot of replacement parts and the new meds are working and uh, and she's ready for action let's do that let's say that <laughs> now let's hear what Derek Phillips thinks Billy Riggins is doing he's probably still coaching and still skating by but I guess he's got an underground poker tournament somewhere you know I mean he's still doing some, some shady stuff but, you know, I don't think he's running a chop shop anymore. Here's Dora Madison talking about where Becky is now. I could see Becky being like um, like a party planner, like an event planner or something. Like someone in like hospitality, like that kind of a thing. Like planning events or like weddings or something like that. Because she was all into like 
doing the school dances and stuff like that. So I could see her being in, like, some kind of, like, interior design or some sort of, like, some sort of, like, aesthetic but, like, professional setting, you know? I don't see her, like, becoming super artsy-fartsy, but I see her more of, like, you know, like, moving to a bigger city and, like, yeah, like, doing interior design or, like, yeah, or, like, being a wedding planner. I think she would be a really good wedding planner. (laughs) I bet Luke is probably maybe either higher ranking in the military or, like, out of the military by now and is probably, like, calling her up, (laughs) seeing where she's at. Matt Loria talks whatever happened to the adorable Luke Cafferty. I think that Luke... I think he did a a really solid um, couple of tours in, um, you know, I think Luke re-upped in the military. He's probably in for minimum of eight years, probably maybe 12. Um, And then I think he got out, found a girl like Becky, settled down with her. Um, I don't think he ever ends up with Becky yet. Somehow I just don't know that she... I think she had other things that she had to do. And um, so Luke uh, finds a a wife who reminds him very much of Becky. And then then I think he uh, is a coach. You know, he coaches at a local high school or, or, you know, middle school or something like that. Next up, Tyra herself, Adrian Palicki. I always had this idea for like a spinoff show, which would be really fun, which would be like, you know, Riggins and Tyra end up married in Dillon, and he's, like, the football coach, and she's the counselor of, like, you know, the high school. It's a very different dynamic, obviously, between them. Zach Guilford shares his idea of where Matt Saracen is now. I hope Matt went to college, man. He was smart. He's a smart kid. I hope he got his degree. I mean, I'm sure that him and Julie are very happy. They're still married. He's a faithful guy. Um, even though she didn't deserve him most of the time. <laughs> Guys, Charles has some thoughts about what happened to the great Smash Williams. Thankfully, I think Smash, you know, you know, did you know, he made it, made it out of Dylan. He's not working with Diner. I think he went to college. Um, I think he got drafted. I would imagine that, you know, by now Smash has a couple of rings in the NFL. Um, you know, he's. Uh, He's bought his mom a house or two, um, and you know he's 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 probably giving back to the community in some way. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, I think I think Smash Smash achieved his dream, you know, and um, and that's and that's kind of cool. And and you know the thing about television too is that you kind of get to imagine these characters moving forward even beyond the finale of a of a series, you know, and so. Yeah, I think Smash. I think Smash made it to the NFL. What happened to Jason Street? You ask. Scott Porter has an answer. You know, I think they had another kid. I think he's a power agent, man. The thing about Jason Street is he. If you want to find fault in him, he's he's overly competitive. He always was. I mean, he probably still has that heart of an athlete. So now that he's an agent, he's going to be the best damn agent there is. So every Todd Gurley that comes out of college, every Carson Wentz that goes in the first round, you better damn well know that Jason Street is, he's the agent for the superstars of the NFL. He's probably, Cam Newton's probably on his roster. You know, Smash is on his roster. Smash, 
see, Smash went pro. He thought, you know, he, he ended up ruling Smash. He gets Smash. Smash, uh, you know, is, is, is on his docket. Smash helped him, you know, helps him sign like Cam Newton. And, you know, a lot of the young kids coming out. And, and man, he's just living large. And I bet you, I bet you he, he, he bought a second house down in Texas when he comes home. You know, comes back, you know, paid off his parents' house and probably bought a house down the street and comes back and see his mom and dad and see everybody else. So that's where Street is. He's, he's a highly successful agent. Got a lot of money, more money than he knows what to do with, and, uh, and he's putting it to good use. We last saw him smiling in the field house, but where is Uber Booster Buddy Garrity now? Brad Leland has some thoughts. I think that he probably will always live in Dillon. I, I think Buddy's one of those guys that probably stays living in the same town his whole life and, and is always one of those guys. I think that's what Buddy did, did. He, and does. He stays in Dillon and continues being, uh, you know, riding around in his golf cart. And that's that's the most fun part of his life is, uh, you know, because the rest of his life's great. He's got, he's got hopefully by now they've given him a new wife or at least a girlfriend. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, or a boyfriend, you know. They could really change the character then. You want to you see an art? Everybody has a boyfriend. How weird would that be? <laughs> Last but not least, Tammy Taylor herself, Connie Britton. You know, maybe they're still in Philly, and maybe she's sort of now the head of, you know, the head of uh, admissions or something. I, You know, I like to think that she's kind of continued to be able to flourish and do well and find sort of satisfying, maybe be able to make satisfying career choices. So, you know, yeah, let's say she's in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With coach, with coach, of course, unless they move or they unless they move back to Texas, you know that could happen too. We want to thank everybody for joining us on this journey back to Dillon, Texas. Uh, if you want to talk to us on social media about Friday Night Lights, she's at Sam Highfill. I'm at Darren Franich. Uh, if you want to subscribe to EW's Binge, you can do that on iTunes. And while you're at it, leave a review. Let us know how we did. Let us know what we could do better. We're open to criticism, unlike Joe McCoy, the most evil man alive. Uh, and we just want to say again, you know, it's been such a pleasure talking about Friday Night Lights with everybody. We made some memories, guys. And while this might be the end of our Friday Night Lights binge, it is not the end of EW's Binge podcast. So be sure to stick around for season three. And I think for our sign off, we just have to say no regrets. Awesome. Awesome.